Ah, uh, yes, let's roll out that beautiful carpet. Let's talk some Mountaineer hoops. Uh, Zach's going to join me. We're going to dive into the to the Georgetown game a little bit. Talk a little bit about the nation as a whole there at the top. Um, we've seen a lot of good teams play a lot of other good teams here the last week or so now. And, you know, it's amazing to think we're not really even that deep into the college basketball season, but we've learned a lot about certain teams for sure. Uh, unfortunately, we, in the middle of, of the podcast there, taping it, we, we got the news about the cancellation of the Robert Morris game today. So that, you know, we'll, um, you know, we, we talk a little bit about that. We don't dive much into that. So you're in luck on that end. Uh, and, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to get into Richmond a touch there. Might talk a little bit about them, um, maybe preview them before the week, before we get to that game on Sunday. But you guys know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab that coffee, fill stuff. If it's in the evening, grab the drink. Come on back. We're going to talk Mountaineer basketball on the porch a little bit also about the Iowa State debacle. And then we're going to touch on the old Mormons versus Mullets, Coastal and what they're about. And then Iowa State's playoff chances still. Playoffs for Iowa State. We think they still might have an outside shot here. But you guys know what to do. Grab the coffee, fill style, or grab the drink and come on back. We're talking here on the porch. How's it going this evening, sir? What's going on? Man, we're hanging, buddy. We we, we got our audio issues uh, fixed, and uh, just kind of watching Lamar Lamar Jackson just kind of slice and dice the Cowboys right now. A little college hoops. Good good Tuesday, man. Good Tuesday so far. No doubt, you got this yeah. ACC Big Ten challenge giving you some good hoopage. Uh, pretty good. I mean, I tell you what, Iowa looked pretty solid. I mean, bombing threes uh, there against North Carolina. Um, Illinois is putting on a show against Duke so far. I think we talked about this last week. Man, Duke is uh, – I think they're struggling. I don't think they've got what it takes this year to be an elite uh, contender. I mean, Illinois is shooting the lights out there. I mean, they're four or five from three. They're up ten here midway point of the first half. But, I mean, Duke, I don't think they've got it this year, Zach. I don't know about you, buddy, but, I mean – Yeah, I have I, it. I, I, I tend to agree. Their offense has been lacking. Hurt is pretty much all they have on the perimeter, and they don't have a real big physical presence on the inside like they typically do. No, and and, and you know what's what's even – I mean, Hurt's kind of the, the one guy you expect maybe to do stuff for him, but, like, just no flow offensively. They're still grinding on defense, but they mm. just don't have any, any scoring. I mean, this kind of looks like a, a Hugs team, you know, that – kind of barely finds its way into the Sweet 16 type of team here. That's kind of what Duke reminds me of right now. Illinois might be for real. They've got a lot. They've got a lot of guys. They've got guys that can score. They've got, of course, Coburn, who's just a Freak. beast, a yeah, man amongst yeah. many. I, I, I like Yusumu, and I, and I like uh, Vichelli, too. I mean, if Coburn gets in foul trouble, Vichelli can kind of – he can kind of get it done for him too. I mean, you know, I think Illinois is a team, and Underwood's a good coach. Kind of comes from that Huggins tree. We know we have to be aware. It'd be a team I wouldn't necessarily love to see come March. No, definitely not. I don't even think we have somebody who could really hang with Desumu on the perimeter. He's just—he's a pro. I mean, he's—he's he's somebody you wouldn't want to have to go against at any point. But I mean. At least Dude, we know that we have this up, 
Deuce, Deuce has got it, but at least we know we have some size that could at least sniff Coburn a little bit. Somebody who can yeah. give him a little physicality. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and Zach, I guess while we're still on this right now, kind of talking about the rest of the country, Creighton and Kansas tonight. Kansas was feeding McCormick early, but Creighton's bigs are toothpick thin. And once they kind of – once the Jayhawks, you know, figured it out and they made some threes, Braun had a pretty good game, things started changing a little bit. Creighton's solid, but I think they're kind of what we would expect to see out of Creighton. Uh, and they weren't making – they weren't they were not making their shots, and they surprisingly enough were not making their free throws either, which was kind of a real shock. Yeah, Zegarowski getting the shots at the very end of the game to try to take it to overtime for Creighton. You couldn't ask for a better situation, but they just couldn't knock him down. But, yeah, you're right. Kansas Kansas had it going tonight. When they can shoot, they're going to be tough to beat. They don't have Doak anymore. They lost Dotson. I mean, they're – they're, they're short a lot of pieces they had from last year's team, but yeah. you know they still reload with the best of them. But, hey, you want to talk about a team from Kansas now. How about the Fort Hayes State Tigers <laughs> fighting for Kansas supremacy? How much of a shot did you have at us talking Fort Hayes tonight? I, I, I think if you had that, like that was probably like plus uh, like 4,000 juice. That's kind of one of those ones that you, uh, you kind of bankrupt the casino with if you had that. Did they end up winning that game? Did the Fort Hayes Tigers win it? By double digits. I started looking at the oh, box score about 12 my. minutes left in the second half. They were up double digits the whole time I was looking at it. They got up by as much as 20. The tough, wow. It's a tough year for Bruce Weber and his squad, I'm thinking. Yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, they were Drop trying to sell one you. Four. <laughs> yeah, one and four. They were trying to sell you on Kansas State. Oh, well, they'll get better. Magruder's pretty good. They'll, you know, they're going to be okay. Eh, I'm. I'd say a, a resounding loss to the Ford State Hayes Tigers will uh, kind of make the State Tigers. It's <laughs> like you can't even really get it out. That's that's what makes uh. it difficult. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh man, you know, it's bad when you don't have a logo beside your name when you're looking it up. Like, oh, you want to hear something weird? Looking at the box score on ESPN, not only do they not have a logo, you look at the the positions beside their players' name. You've heard of athletes in football r- recruiting. Beside every player on their box score, except for one, they have ATH beside their names. They don't even have designated positions for these guys. <laughs> wow. They, they, they don't have – so, like, there's not even guard slash four. My goodness, 81 to 68. Mm, that's a tough one. That That's beyond tough. And and then, wow. wow I, so, when do we get Kansas State? That's the next question. Cause, uh, hey, at least <laughs> twice this year, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Hallelujah for that. We, hey, hope Kansas State might be, um, might not be as good of an opponent as uh, Robert Morris's. Those might be a couple laughers too. Potentially, I'd be okay with that. We, I would we've, be, played, uh, we've played enough tough teams at this point. We could use, we could use a couple snoozers. We could, hey, we can for sure use a couple snoozers. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh, potentially a snoozer coming uh, tomorrow night. Robert Morris. Are we thinking that's more along the lines of that, or are we going to kind of come out like we did against Georgetown in the first half, maybe a little flat, maybe whistles get involved, a couple foul troubles, and then we kind of pull away second half? Or do you think we'll be dominant from the start? I'm I'm hoping for the latter there, Blaine. I'm thinking yeah. guys will be glad to get home, get, get to the Coliseum. Hey, they're going to be looking up at the new giant video board. I think they'll be happy to see that. They'll be pumped about that, I'm telling you what. Yeah. 
That'll help. That'll help for this one without fans too. Because I tell you what, that's that's a huge difference. A huge difference when you have a when you have a home floor that is as impactful as the Coliseum can be. Like tonight, you're watching Duke here against Illinois, and then Duke last week against Michigan State. That crowd, they feed off that energy. It's not there. They're struggling. I, I don't think we'll have that problem because I think we can bring our own energy with our own kind of players and the way we play with one another and the chemistry that this team has. I think we'll be okay in the games without fans. But, man, it, it'd be nice to have a few in there. And it, and it can sap – it's not going to say sap the energy out of the building, but not having any if, you don't, if you're not doing well could. I'm more concerned about that Sunday against Richmond than I think I am tomorrow night. I think I'm with you. I think the new video board, I think kind of being back home, I think we'll put out a great performance, especially early. Yeah, that's the hope. Get the get the guys some confidence going. Get the younger guys, the new guys in there, Bridges, Cottrell, Keith Johnson, get them a little bit of roll. Get them some yeah. trying try and make it to where it they be, can gain a little confidence. Exactly. It would be very nice to get Kiki Johnson a little bit of run uh here tomorrow night. Because, I mean, granted, McCabe played pretty well there in the Georgetown oh, yeah. game. And he's given us some good minutes, but it, we need more. And I think and I think Kiki Johnson, too, could be a guy who really changes the dynamic for the team because of how quick he is in the open floor. We just need to get him comfortable. And, you know, it, it was nice to see Bridges finally make a shot there on Sunday. I thought that was, uh, you know, he needs to build that confidence. It was nice to see that. Maybe we can build bridges up this game. That'd be really nice to get him rolling. Because um, I think Cottrell, like we talked about, I feel like his feet starting to get a little bit wet. I feel mm-hmm. like he's starting to kind of feel his way into it, and he's not as intimidated by playing with these guys in a real game situation as maybe he was, you know, out there in South Dakota. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think those those second-half minutes that he picked up against Gonzaga, I mean, that's throwing a guy – with that amount of experience in the deep end. And I think he responded really well. I mean, he won't see a better team besides Baylor all season. And I think he responded well. I think that having that kind of depth is huge for us because obviously to this point, anyway, our big men haven't been able to stay out of foul trouble. So we need, we need him to be able to step up when they're, when they're on the bench. Yeah, Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny to mention that because I mean, we absolutely, absolutely have not been able to stay out of foul trouble, especially, early on for Shibwe. Um And then Culver's, you know, had his moments. I think Sunday Sunday was, in my mind, kind of his worst early part of the game performance in terms of making some dumb fouls. But then, man, you talk about how we didn't have him and how Cottrell kind of finally stepped in there and got some minutes. Played nine minutes Sunday. Granted, he didn't score, but he got four rebounds. Wasn't, wasn't a hindrance to the team. Kept us in the game. Gabe, I feel like... You know, he's of late, Zach, these last couple games here. Maybe not so much the Gonzaga game, but the Georgetown game Sunday, felt like he was a little out of sorts. Um, you know, maybe the three-pointer he hit against Gonzaga got him feeling really good. But I'm I'm just a little bit, you know, I, I want to see more out, out of him, continuing to see more out of him, uh, maybe get him back in the flow there these next two games. Because the Georgetown game, he felt a little off to me, at least at least at times well you know guys will have off nights and not you know he's not somebody you're going to consistently rely on for offensive prowess anyway but he's just he's got to stop reaching hugs talked about that he's getting yeah a little too over anxious on the ball he he got into a trap situation under the hoop 
on Sunday, and he couldn't help himself but try and go for the ball when he didn't even need to. That guy would have made a mistake on his own had he just let him go. But he's yeah. he's just an energy guy. He he really is so amped up that he's just he goes after it 100 percent. Well, see that that was kind of my thinking though. Um, Zach was that his energy wasn't quite there in the in the Georgetown game. Yeah, and maybe that's because he had so much energy and was kind of sapped of it from Gonzaga, but just didn't feel like you know because we're not never really looking for him for offense. Um, whatever he gives you offensively is a is a is a damn bonus. Um, yeah, and you know about as much as you can get. But um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think of Sunday the flow? What do you think of kind of how the game felt in general? Just sort of, you know, I guess initial and kind of uh, initially kind of what you thought about how we played there against the Hoyas, old Patrick Chewing's <laughs> squad there Sunday. Well, let me just chime in on one thing real quick. You, uh, some Some people would have you believe you may have – mispronounced Oscar's last name there. I think we've learned it, it might be Toshibwe now. We've heard we've heard multiple people Dockage was going with Oshibwe. Sunday we heard Oshibwe. Yeah. What do you what do you yeah. what do you do? What do you say? How how do you pronounce I, the guy's I, name? I think it's I think it's Toshibwe. I'm, I'm thinking you're right. I believe. <laughs> or or we just go with Oscar. You know. These major network professionals you would think might know that, but who who am I? Yeah. But let's be honest. We're, we're you're dealing with Dockage in one of those games, and are we talking? Also, you Sunday easily there with Dockage. Was now I, I like Lab. I'm not gonna lie. I, I like Lab. Yeah. I think when he's on a call, I, I like him. Honestly, for the most part, I actually kind of didn't mind Sunday. And Zach, let, let's be honest about something real quick. Is there a better theme song ever than Heart than, than Round Ball Rock? Oh, I love I it. I mean, that thing. That thing is the best. And the, the fact that Fox and FS1 decided to bring it back, mm. man, it just brought back nostalgia. Every time I hear that, I just get so pumped. Like, I think Jordan's going to play the Knicks on Sunday at, like, 2 o'clock on NBC. It's just like it, – it just – it always gets the feels for me, man. It really does. But, uh, hey, I love the fact – we, we don't get to play that many games on FS1, but when we do, you got to relish hearing some round ball rock, you know. Oh man, so great! Oh yeah, it it brings back good memories, like you're saying. But as far as the game's concerned, it you can't <laughs> yeah back, back into that world. <laughs> you can't discount. Hey, the, by the way, yeah, go ahead. Funny, funny fact though about round ball rock. You know how we always hear that John Tesh you hear on the radio. Mm. That is his. He composed round ball rock. That- Would you ever imagine that guy? Wow, that's impressive stuff. Yeah. That's a claim to fame. That is, man. I mean, he's hey doing a couple of good things, you know, talk radio and then round ball rock. But yeah, back to the game, please. Yeah, please help help me out. Hey, any, any <laughs> give me back on the track. Any man. amount of bar trivia I can get, I'll take it. Oh yeah, yeah. So you never know. Maybe you could be a question at trivia, team trivia one night. You never know. Pull out the old Joe Tesh on the round ball rock. Yeah, that'll that might win me That's right. one night. Hey, it could, it could. That, hey, and if you get a if you get a nice little nice little tab from the restaurant. That can always pay dividends, man. So it's it's it, it's worth knowing. You know? Oh, for sure. So <laughs> I, I think one thing as far as the energy is concerned for the team, it you know, the travel is something that is taken into account every year with our with our participation in the Big Twelve. But you know, these guys traveled, I believe Caridi said almost thirty five hundred miles in the in a span of a week and a half. I mean, that'll wear on you. That that's a lot of movement, a lot of different gyms you're playing in. And I think they got off you know, they obviously got off to a slow start on Sunday, but in the second half, I think they really turned it up. Offensively, they looked a lot more crisp. 
they they went a little smaller than they had been, which you can argue is a little bit out of necessity with the foul trouble. But also, I think that Hugs is starting to tinker a little bit with who he can put on the court. Mm-hmm. On the court, but when you have Deuce and Taz or or both, Emmett on, at the four, kind of running a little more wide open yeah. spread offense. The, spread the of, small lineup kind of worked. I kind of like it. It, it gives you a little yeah. more versatility. And I'm telling you one thing, I like it from Emmett's perspective because it opens the lane up a little bit because, you know, when you have Culver and Oscar in there, both kind of clogging things up, it kind of makes it difficult to drive and get to the, get to the hoop. But Emmett had some, had some moments where he was just aggressive toward the rack and, I think we saw what he's capable of. We've seen it over the course of his career, but I'm hoping that his his aggression that he showed on Sunday will carry forward because that's the kind of Emmett we need. We have to have that. Yes, absolutely. That, that's a great that's a great point, Zach. Because you know Emmett, when he is getting into it, and when he is kind of like you said, kind of in his flow, and he's kind of in a rhythm like he was on Sunday with the space. He, he is probably the guy who benefits, obviously, the most from that small lineup because I think he can still play the four mm-hmm. uh, pr- pretty easily, too, um, and can defend some of these guys and the other things. Now, I, I know we kind of tinkered with it a little bit toward the end of last year, not playing the two bigs at once. Do you think that's something we're going to see more often? I think you got to be able to have that lineup in your back pocket and play small because some of these teams are going to force you to do so. Like Kansas, they don't really have any big guys per se, other than McCormick, most of the time you're going to have to play a smaller lineup with them, but you might be able to dominate with running three and four guys at McCormick. It's almost like we need to figure out a way to have that small lineup out there and be productive, but also be able to sprinkle in. Call, but I, you know what, though, the same, to the same respect, Zach, I think when Culver's on his A game, you can play both those guys together and you get that space for everybody else because Culver's such a willing and kind of um, skilled passer, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of works with him. Oscar, I think, is still, uh, you know, still getting getting there from that perspective when it comes to the passing. And man, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm wondering. I want to ask this question too. With Oscar right now, do you think some improvements are starting to happen? It's funny because like you look at him and you're like, you know, on Sunday doesn't have a great game. Plays about what 20 minutes, give or take, nine point six rebounds. We're all like. You don't. You're not happy about it. Most guys, you get nine and six from him. You're like, man, that was a that was a damn good game. But he's different. Do you think he's finally getting back to that a little bit, or is it we still going to take a little bit of time um, before we see Oscar be Oscar again this season? You make a good point there. You you talk about the stats that he has put up, but it's elicited some disappointment across Mountaineer Nation just because of the expectations you have for him, but at the end of the day, you want to talk about something that would be interesting to see, something the NBA likes to do a lot, per 36 stats. Imagine what his and Culver's per 36, per 36 stats would be if they were able to play the extended minutes you would like to see from them, maybe not 36 minutes, but if you extrapolate that data out, they're putting up some big big numbers, my friend. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like for example, just talking about the 36, right? Culver only playing 18 minutes, 14 points, nine rebounds, exclusively pretty much all that in the second half. Yep, 11 to nine in the second half. Yeah, I mean, if you get if you can get him to – and granted, I think this was the first game we saw Culver struggle 
really, really struggled with the foul trouble. I think he's had a couple times where he's had to come out, maybe, you know, a, a little early, but he hasn't been to the extent that Oscar has been in terms of the foul trouble no. before Sunday. Um, and he plays better with fouls, he, in my opinion, than Oscar does, which and it may have a little bit more does. to do with youth and experience in the game, which we, we have mm-hmm. a hard time remembering that Oscar isn't the most experienced ball player. He's been playing ball five true. to six years of his life. You know, that, that plays a part of it, too. And, and Zach, Zach, do you think when it comes with that, in terms of Culver being able to play with more fouls, I think Culver, you know, having that extra year in, in the league, in the conference, college basketball player helps him when it comes to that, too. But I just think there's something – there's a stiffness right now with Oscar. There's a rigidness right now with Oscar. Whereas Culver, the motor's flying. He's getting everything and anything he wants pretty much. I mean, some of the – some of the yeah, I mean, the announcers say, a, you know, a, a whirling dervish-type spin mm-hmm. move. But you know exactly what we're talking about. Yep. And most of the time, he lays it up with that left hand and it goes in. Um, if he can continue to stay on the floor, I think he could be the best player in the nation, potentially. I mean, he has that kind of potential. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's an excellent athlete. When he wants to, his motor is absolutely off the charts. He can he can run. His athleticism from a from a leaping perspective isn't the best. He He's not the biggest high flyer out there, but I mean, he he can move. Mm-hmm. He has good feet when he's when he's in his element when he's not trying to go too fast. But I mean, he's he's definitely got that that potential in him to be one of the top players in the country. It's just a matter of him, you know, staying within his element. Like I said, not trying to do too much and just playing the way he knows how to play and being able to stay on the court. These guys have got yeah. to be able to try to stay straight up. Because I mean, one thing that we may have talked about after the Gonzaga game, they're so big, Oscar and Culver. If they don't come down on guys when they're going up, they're going to alter shots just being as big as they are. So they can they can stand straight up and be an impediment to the guy putting up the shot. They don't need to come down. That's what they have to learn. They've got to get that under control. Yeah, and you can almost see sometimes they've got themselves in the position they need to be in, and then all of a sudden – that handle just kind of mm-hmm. moved down at the last minute. And it seems to happen a lot. It's like every time you call it. Um, I just wonder, it's like, when does that, when does that change? You know, when do you kind of get that little bit of intuitiveness, I guess, to your game to be like, okay, I just, I can't do that. I can't do that. Right. I'm, I have enough length here that this guy's still going to have a difficult shot shooting over me. And like you said, I feel like Culver plays better with fouls than Oscar. And you, and you can tell I me, mean, the fact he finishes with three fouls and still puts up all the production he does goes to show you. And you know what? I like the fact what we saw out of those big guys Sunday against Georgetown because Georgetown, those guys have some height. They have some they have some size down They're there. Down. That was a good test. That was a good test for a team when we finally get those guys, somebody who can really match them with size. I mean, Bassey with WK, you could, um, but that was only one guy. Nice to see that Georgetown had a little bit of variety there. So when we do see a Baylor, you know, a Texas, we will be at least have seen teams that have a little bit of length and some size down low. And one thing, too, that Georgetown offered that we could stand to learn from is having a guy who's a big that can stretch the floor. Pickett, one of their one of their forwards, is one of their best shooters. So that made it to where Oscar and primarily Culver, I believe, was on him throughout the game, mm-hmm. had to step out and be able to defend on the perimeter. That's one thing we have to be able to do because – 
not only do we need to make sure we don't get stretched out too much and are unable to defend it on the perimeter, we've got to continue to get better with our bigs on the perimeter and guarding ball screens. I feel like this is going to be a continuous conversation throughout the season. Hopefully we'll be discussing here in a month or so how they've improved so much on it, but that's critical. Right. If we want to become the kind of yeah. defensive team we got to be to be a contender. Do, Zach, do you think Gabe is is more crucial than just about anybody when it comes to that ball screen defense oh. between those between the kind of the, the perimeter or the, or the big guys up in the perimeter? Oh, without a doubt, I think that he, although it's fairly obvious to say he's not the most athletic of the four bigs that we have, I feel like he has the best understanding of how to approach that situation. He has the basketball IQ to know what to do in that situation and, and how to defend it appropriately. For whatever reason, these other guys who are athletic enough to where you would imagine they could hard hedge, be able to get back to their man and, you know, effectively neutralize the ball screen to the best of their ability. They're just not doing it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, would, would you say Culver's probably next? Oh, yeah. After Gabe? Yeah. I mean – I feel like part of Gabe, too, is, like you said, more experienced. I mean, he played in the SEC a couple years before he transfers up here. And he's just a smart ball player. He's got kind of a grit and a toughness, yeah. And he knows he has to be good at that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Culver Culver knows what he's good at and knows that he can – If early on, probably, you know, as a freshman at times and even some last year, those – he, you know, he has his moments where he's maybe not as good in that situation, whereas Gabe knows if I'm not playing great defense, I'm not on the floor. Yeah, that, and I think that's a huge, huge part of it too. For sure, that's Gabe's bread and butter. And one other thing you got to take into consideration also is that Culver, you know, when he's not in foul trouble, he plays extended minutes and he is banging down low constantly, getting rebounds, trying to get his own buckets. And he's, I mean, he wears down, and you can tell at times. We have talked about it before. You can tell there are times when Derek will kind of seem like he's just going through emotions on defense or just kind of slacking a little Mm -hmm. bit. But I honestly think that's because he's just getting hung off of constantly and just banging down there. And that'll wear you out, especially somebody his size. It's it's a lot of physicality. He needs that breather. Yeah. Well, and like you always hear Hug Samming, they've got a knee in his back. They're hanging on him. They're doing this. They're doing that. And, you know, let's get into that real quick here, Zach, because I, I do have this question, and I think I saw it some Sunday as well. It feels like we get officiated differently because of, and I think due to our reputation, and yet at the same time, the other team is able to do a lot more to us at, at times, it feels like, than what we could even think about beginning to do to them when it comes to kind of, you know, the, the kind of the, uh, the grabbing and pulling that sometimes goes on and just the physicality of the game that doesn't always get called. I feel like we get called for it more than – then, then we actually get calls for us. Although we go to the line more, uh, especially this season early than everybody else, and maybe that's just because of how we play. They know that if they don't get in some of it in check, that it's going to be a problem all night. And and you know how far do you let us our leash kind of go? I guess quote unquote kind of how how far can you let that dog run? And if you let us run really far, we'll take advantage of it to the max. And if you don't and they eventually try and hone us back in. It feels like a lot of times in the second half, especially. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, Huggins has always played a very physical style of basketball that's known across the college basketball landscape. Every Mm -hmm. referee that he sees on a nightly basis 
has is familiar with his brand of basketball, and I think that does come with a bit of subconscious information, I suppose you would say, just for the referee. Yeah. It's just yeah. something that hangs in the back of your mind, even though you wouldn't think it would be something that would go and be taken into consideration during the game. It just is. And we play so physically, especially down low, there are going to be more fouls called in general. And, you know, just the physicality we play with and, you know, on all possessions for the most part, we just have a tendency to maybe get a little too anxious and reach. And, you know, like we talked about earlier with the bigs, come down on guys who are shooting close to the rim. And it just – it's just, like I said – the way we play, the way Huggins prefers to play. And you mentioned the free throw discrepancy. It's, you know, 33 attempts on our side to 15 for Georgetown on Sunday. Now, if you just look at that, people will say, hey, what are you complaining about? You have nothing to talk about with the refs. But if right. you watch the game, <laughs> there are inconsistencies and there are on a night-by-night basis. Yeah, exactly. And that's all we want, <laughs> inconsistency. And call what you would call for them, yeah. for us, and vice versa. Exactly. And in it, 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 but you know what? It's funny because I feel like it, it does seem to happen a lot in second halves. And maybe I'm still just kind of harkening back to the Gonzaga second half as to why I'm thinking that way, yeah, Zach. That was but tough. I want to get into something else. Yeah, it was. I want to get into something else too, though, because I think this is something that I, I feel like I've noticed here, especially since the first game of the season. And we're starting to kind of get a little bit better play and flow offensively, too, I think. This. The shot selection is getting much better. The number of threes is getting mm-hmm. is going down each each game. We're making some big shots, and I think maybe that's because we're getting a little more Taz and Deuce on the floor together. But we're we're cutting down on our number of threes. I think that's cr- crucial, crucial for this team. I mean, Sunday goes six to seventeen, not a great percentage by any means, but made big shots when we needed them, um, especially in the second half when the game was not necessarily in doubt, because I, I don't know about you, felt like we were always going to win that game. But it was nice to see Taz knock down that big three when he did. Uh, and, and, you know, and Georgetown continues to put them up. And granted, early they were making a lot of shots, contested threes and whatnot. But by the end of the game, 11 to 30, just barely over, what, about a percentage, 1.4% higher than we were at 6 to 17. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it, that to me is something that I'm really excited about with this team. I feel like we're starting to maybe take better shots for sure. Oh, I completely agree. And one thing that we don't want to do is go out there and shoot 33s. Like that's just not our bread and butter. That's not what we do well. And even though, you know, on paper and so far, it seems like to a certain extent, this will be one of the better perimeter shooting teams Huggins has had in a while. It's not something you want to rely on with the guys that we have to facilitate offense you know, within the three-point line, guys like Deuce who can get mid-range shots. You know, obviously you have Oscar and Derek down low to get you buckets in the paint. That's where you want to make your money. And when you're out there chucking up threes, one thing you also have mm-hmm. is long rebounds off of misses. When we are shooting closer to the basket, the size we have makes it easier to get the rebounds, get a putback, or get fouled and go to the line. It's, it's what the way we have to play if we want to be successful offensively. That's it's a great point about the long rebounds and about how it kind of neglects our size a little bit if we're putting up a bunch of threes, you know. Because while our guards are good rebounders, I, I really think Deuce is a great rebounder. absolutely seven rebounds. It, it's not, yeah. I mean, 
you know what's funny is that we just literally just said that we went this whole time really without bringing up Deuce and how great he was Sunday. I mean, you look at that line, 17 points, seven rebounds. All seven were defensive rebounds too, which I, I think it's a very important thing for your guards and forwards to be able to clear that glass. They don't necessarily have to be the ones on the offensive end all the time, but it's really big when you're only, you know, allowing the team to get that one mm. shot. Deuce with seven defensive rebounds is great. Seven assists, four steals. He was putting on great ball pressure. I felt like he was just – he kind of – when the game was in a spot where it felt like we were not necessarily in trouble, but we just weren't playing our best, it's like Deuce decided, hey, we're not losing today, boys. Don't worry. I got this team. And he just continued to do something. I look at the five and nine from the floor, two or three from three. I mean, it was five or seven from the line. He just did everything well Sunday. I mean, an amazing game from old from old uh, Deuce Miles McBride there for a long time. They kept calling him a telecast. That bothered me a little bit there when Billis did that against Gonzaga. I don't know why. It just made me think of it. They kept going with Miles, and it's like call the man Deuce. Yeah, do your do your scouting Come report. On. His name he goes by Deuce. Just just accept it. Yeah. Come on, Billis. You talk about you talk about always having to go to work. Well, where was the work <laughs> on on the West Virginia scouting report? There, come on, man. Do better. You know? But uh, yeah, exactly. Be be, be better, Billis. Come on now. But I mean, you know, also something, Zach. And I want to get get into this with you real quick, though. Deuce versus JC at this point in time. Oh. A lot of people are starting to talk about that. And you know what's funny is the West Virginia, I believe, it was the Instagram basketball page. Um. Carter comes back in there, next level of three and whatnot, and says, "Nah, he's better than me." Which, you know, obviously he's he's you know kind of this is his guy. He's in the program. He's loving what he's doing. But for him to say that, that's that's big time praise. And what do you think? Who who would you take, especially in this stage, sophomore year of their careers? You know, uh, who would you take, Deuce or uh, JC? No, that's that's the qualifier right there. If you if you're asking me, who would I take in their sophomore years? I'd be hard pressed to not take Deuce strictly because of what he can mm-hmm. do on the offensive end. He's he's obviously a skilled on ball defender at this point in his career. He's he's showing that he can step up and be a bit of a leader on this team. But offensively, he can create his own shot, which Javon really wasn't able to start doing until the last two years of his career. He really just continued to progress on offense. He was always able to defend from the time he stepped on campus, but it really took him some time to get to the point where he could get a bucket, go to the rack from time to time. But Deuce, I mean, mm-hmm. this guy is an, is an outstanding athlete. He can get to the bucket. He can pull up that mid-range, which I love. It's such a lost art in today's game, college and pro. And I, I love I love. He's so good at it, too, so that mid-range. Silky. He's so good at it. Yeah, it, it, it's silky smooth, he gets, isn't it? He gets like, to his spots. He knows where he wants to get to to make his jumper, and he gets there and he knocks it down. With consistency, and he has he has confidence too when he puts oh, yeah. it up, and I think that's that's one thing that I'm always looking at, especially with especially with the guy who's so young still, you know, as he is. I mean, it's crazy to think of him like he, like you said, he is the leader on this team. He is the guy who, when we need to make a shot, is the guy we want to have the ball. I don't think there's any question about that. We have a talented team. We've got guys that you think can make shots, but there's nobody else that I want to take that shot other than Deuce McBride right now. I mean, maybe Taz is a close second for me personally, but that's, you know, I would easily, easily say I want Deuce McBride to have the ball late um, if we have to, if we have to make a big shot. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. He, he is your, 
clutch player. He's who you want to have the ball at the end of the game in a big situation. And even though we have two guys who are presumably pros at the next level, as long as they continue to progress in Culver and Oscar, I still would be hard pressed Mm -hmm. to say that Deuce isn't our overall best player just because of everything that he brings to the game. He's so versatile. And I'll tell you one thing that I loved seeing in that Georgetown game, which he, he's tenacious as it is, but one turning point I think that we had in the second half of that game was when Deuce got that poke out on the perimeter and about half court, he got on the floor, busted his face off the floor, and he was not letting Georgetown get that ball. He was he was getting after it. You could tell by the look on his face at different times in the second half. He was focused and determined, and he was not letting us lose that game. He was really the heart and soul of that comeback, and that's the kind of guy I think he is. He really is just – he's so in love with this with this game, and he he would do it all and leave it all out on the, on the court for WVU to win ball games. And I think he's also in love with this Absolutely. team. Absolutely. I mean, you think about think about that alley oop pass that he throws um, to Emmett there. Uh, to put, I think it put us up about four there. Dang. You know, middle of the middle of the second half time frame. But it felt like, man, when you saw that down, you're like, "Yep, we've got this game today." Not that you never, not that, not that we ever really. I think you're in the same boat as me. Never felt like we were going to lose that ba- basketball game, but that was kind of the moment where I'm like, "Okay." The comeback is in full effect. We got this thing rolling, and and we did. In the end. You know what else? Do want to do want to say real quickly because we've kind of been not necessarily hating on McKay, but not giving him the love. I thought he made a couple big shots Sunday at a crucial time, which was really good to see. That is his role. If he can make a big shot or two off the bench, provide decent enough defense, facilitate the offense. Man, he is the type of point guard I think that a national championship team has as a backup point guard. Oh, I would agree entirely. He he has to play in that in that way and establish that role moving forward because when he's on the floor, he can't make mistakes that he has made in the first few games of the season where he'd go out there, get pressured on the perimeter or in the full court, which we saw some against VCU, and lose the ball, make a bad pass. He had a play, I believe it was against Western Kentucky, in transition, got a little out of control, made a Fancy behind the head pass to Cottrell, I believe, on the block, but got called for the charge. He he can't afford yep. to make those kinds of mistakes when he's on the floor because we have to be able to not have that much of a drop off from when Deuce is in the game to when Jordan's in the game. In the game, which obviously mm-hmm. the disparity between the two is obvious, but Jordan is a very yep. capable player. He, you know, he was a top recruit in the nation for a reason, and he can play the game of basketball. He has to just play within himself and not try to do too much. But for him to get in there and make a couple shots, I think that'll be big for his confidence. Obviously, it'll be good for Hugs' confidence in him and putting him in spots where he needs to yeah. play and give Deuce a blow. But, you know, one thing I really like from Jordan is he has the tendency to move laterally a lot when he's handling the ball. On that mid-range shot that he made, in his, I believe it was his first time in the game, Instead of going side to side, he got pressured about five feet outside the three-point line, went right around his defender, and stopped and popped. That's perfect. I love it. I'm all about it. Yeah. Yeah. We And, you know, we need him to make those high IQ basketball right. plays um, and not and not have those charges like he did against Gonzaga, not like, like he did against WKU, not making those turnovers. If McCabe's only out there for 10 minutes and he's turning the ball over more than – 
maybe once in those mm-hmm. 10 minutes, I feel like that's a fail Definitely. for him. Um, no turnovers you know, in that game. He's got to be – yeah, and, and that was good to see. And really, we did, we've done a, we did a much better job there uh, Sunday, I thought, of not really turning over the basketball. Obviously, only five mm-hmm. there. Granted, I think th- there's been a couple games where we've definitely seen that spike um, as compared to others so far this season. And, you know, maybe that's a level of competition. Maybe that's just the difference. And obviously, the VCU game, the pressure got to us, and we weren't fully ready for it. And you could tell. It was like, guys, pass, pass. You know, get Taz and Deuce together, get get you know, get Deuce and Sean together, pass, pass, get it above the line. Um, and I felt like we did a better job with pressure against Gonzaga, but it wasn't that much better. Um, but I thought Sunday was probably kind of you saw the maturation on that press breaker a little bit, um, because Georgetown did try and go to it a little bit late in the ball game um there. And uh, you know, another thing, Zach too, you know, press break I thought's been was better this past game. But I also thought the ball movement in general, especially in the second half, was the best we've seen so far this season. Yeah, I would agree. As far as the press break is concerned, one thing that really helps, I mean, the more ball handlers you have on the court at that, you know, in that situation, the better. Having Deuce and Taz on the floor at the same time to be able to break that press you know, with the pass, of course, passing is the best way to break any press. Anybody with any basketball knowledge knows that. But having <laughs> yeah. those two guys who can dribble through pressure, I mean, that's huge. You got to have guys who can dribble and stay under control when being pressured. But from a passing perspective, I would agree, I would also agree with that. Seem to be on the same page with a lot of the stuff. I'm I'm very glad about that. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but we're watching you know, the, the same game. I feel like we're getting to the point though. Yeah, exactly. And, and, it, and it, 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 I want to say this, too, real quick, because and we were talking about Taz and Deuce being on the floor together. I feel like those two throwing an Emmett or a Gabe or an Emmett and a Gabe with Derek or Oscar and Oscar together, that's your five. That's, you closing that's your the out. group that can win. Yep, that's – yeah, exactly. That That's the closing group. That's the group that can win you – can win you some big For ball sure. games. You know, that's the group that's battle-tested. That's the group that's got some talent. I like that group out on the floor together. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And as far as them moving the ball around, I heard – I forget the exact shooting percentages, but I heard something, and I honestly cannot remember the source at the moment, but it was the other day. It was a, it was a stat about shot percentage based on the amount of passes in a possession. The disparity between our shot percentage when we – make three passes or less in a possession versus when we make five or more passes in a possession is massive. I mean, I'm talking almost 20% difference, I believe. And that, I mean, that tells a story right there. When we go down and we're just putting up shots or, you know, take a couple of dribbles, kick out and pull a three. That's not what we need to do. We need to run down the shot clock, work the ball around and get good shots because we don't have many guys who can create off the dribble you know get their own shot off the bounce you know we've got to work it around and any team's going to be better when they move the ball it's just how offense needs to run exactly you know it's it's funny that you mentioned you mentioned that part there about kind of how if we make that you know that that extra those extra pass i mean up to five passes were 20 percent better 
how often Sunday did we not even see maybe one pass shoot or not even a pass at all from Georgetown in the second half when they were struggling and from us in the first half when we were struggling? It's it's a pretty simple game, right? Yep. You move the ball, guys get open, guys are going to make shots. Um, it's just a matter of getting your guys always to kind of be willing to be a willing passer too. Sharing is caring. Um, and that's – and we're going to – exactly, sharing is caring. And you know what? We're going to see – we're going to see a team that's going to try and do that Sunday in, in Richmond. I'm real excited for this game with the Spiders, man. I think that um, – I will say, though, I think maybe the national polls and a little bit of that love while being deserving got heaped on them for beating mm-hmm. Kentucky. And we've seen Kentucky at this point is not Kentucky. No. Kentucky. Uh, Big Blue is a struggle in there, and, and Cal is uh, – he's letting his frustrations be known. When you lose to Georgia Tech by 17 – you're not a good basketball team and not right now for sure. And it was funny, Zach, I was looking at some projections from Lenardi bracketology, a little early bracketology. And he even said right now, if the the field was 48 teams, which is another whole other story that they're even talking about different, different 64, 48, 16, because Mm -hmm. of COVID Kentucky would be the last team in the dance at 48 right now. And that's just based off reputation of one and three. So it'll be interesting. I'm hoping that Richmond provides that test. I'm hoping we're ready for it. I hope we shoot the ball well, and I hope we're ready to, you know, kind of play our brand of basketball and are ready from the start because not having a great crowd there in a big big top 20 game like this, that could be not a factor, but it's not something that I'm excited to see a Coliseum that's empty in a big game. That's for sure. Yeah, and, I mean, Richmond is is an unsung – mostly program but a very good program people that know the game and know the landscape know that they're a good program hell john Belon came from there yep back in the days Absolutely. of old johnny b and yep, that's they, right and, and, and mooney's done a great job man i mean even when they haven't been a team that's been this highly thought of they are always in the mix definitely the and they're they're going to be a good opponent for us to face I mean, this time of year just another quality opponent before we go into conference play but you know we've got to bring our A game on that one. We can't we can't fall asleep and think that you know we're just going to take one take one from them. They're going to give us their best fight. We're we're right alongside UK as teams they've circled on their schedule coming in. Bingo! Absolutely, that game has been circled from them. I mean, and you know what? I would like to think Zach that it's kind of been circled for us too. Oh I yeah, mean, that's a team that's in the top twenty. You know, you have that opportunity. Let's go out there. Let's let's get ready to play. And, and a big home in a big home game too. And like you said, man, let's hope we just don't think we can roll out the carpet and uh, and beat those guys. You know, that's it doesn't work that way. And I think Hugs knows that. And obviously, Hugs knows that. And I think he's been able to instill that into this group just because of last year. I think and Zach, hear me out on this and see what you think about this. I think last year's struggles, while well, maybe the most painful thing to watch basketball-wise I've seen in a long time and disappointment of that roller coaster of how we kind of fell apart the way we did, it is going to be so beneficial for this team in 2020 and 2021. Those struggles may, will have hardened that team and motivated the team and fueled that team, and they, have, they learned those lessons last year. I don't think they'll have to learn those same lessons again this year. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. I'm a big believer in learning hard lessons like that as a team can really 
make a big difference in your future success because that's the kind of thing that you look back on and think, okay, we did this. Let's not do it again. And one thing I've talked about from last year's team a lot is when you rely so much on production coming from young guys, especially true freshmen, which we did in a big way between Deuce and Oscar last year, no matter how skilled you are, unless you're a lottery pick, and even still some guys at that level do it, guys hit a freshman wall. It's just inevitable. They're playing the most competitive basketball, the most consistent amount of basketball at that level they've ever played. And it wears on you after a while. And I think that's part of what happened to us last year. Oscar and Deuce kind of lost their luster that they had earlier in the season. They weren't quite as effective and efficient as they had been to start the season as they were later in conference play. And and right at the end of the year, kind of started getting a little something going. We, we caught Baylor, got a couple other wins after, to break the schneid that we were on at the time. But you're right. We we had a nasty losing streak after really having an excellent start to the season last year. And that's a bonding experience for these guys. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna sleep on anybody, I don't think. And obviously Huggins is gonna be in their ear all the time about not thinking they're too good for anybody they play. Absolutely. And that's I I love to hear that you're kind of on the same page with me with that, that the hard the hard lessons learned from last year only benefit this team and that those are kind of the things that in essence I, I always always think about it this way, Zach. This is a story that, you know, that Maryland team back when Gary Williams won his first national championship, the year before is the team that got beat by Duke in the 10-point comeback in about a 45-second span, Jay Will, mm-hmm. Dunleavy, those guys making that comeback. And the next year, Juan Dixon, <laughs> Stevie Blake, Lonnie Baxter took down and cut down those nets. And I always remember thinking, hey, you know, when we lost that game to Kansas a few years ago in the fog in that terrible comeback, that team the next year was the team that was right on the verge of Sweet 16. I mean, we lost both those games those years to teams that ended up making it to the – almost to the national championship. You know, and actually we did – I mean, we did in one year losing to the team that made the national championship, and the other year lost to the eventual national champion. So, I mean – when you when you really get down to it and you think about it, we were that close. Absolutely. That close from, from being that same team as Maryland. And let's hope it's the same type of lesson that we're going to learn this year. And I think we have an opportunity to do so. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think those battle-hardened teams that come through things together as a group, which this, this team has been well-documented as a group of guys that really enjoy being around each other, enjoy playing with each other, they all went through that same experience together. Even guys like Bridges who didn't play, but they were part of the group experience. That he, was he was there. there. And I'll exactly. give you an even more recent reference to what point you made, which was a great reference for Maryland all those years ago. How about Virginia losing to UMBC in the tournament? Coming back the next oh, that fire. Absolutely. That, it just added the fuel to their fire. They couldn't wait to get back out there and ended up winning the national championship the very next year. That's damn, you know, I great, great one on the retrievers, man. Retrievers pulled it off and one oh, little man, season I mean, pizza for everybody. Know, always exactly. <laughs> did you hear about that at the time? <laughs> I, I oh, did not hear about the, that, man. So, so what was this? The is one of the all time greatest things I've ever seen on Twitter, and there's been some good ones. 
Little Caesars put out a promotion for the UMBC Virginia game, you know, one versus 16 matchup. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I believe it was something along the lines of if UMBC were to win that game, which nobody thought was going to happen, they would give out free pizza. That I will tell you. I will incredible. tell you. I ran a bracket pool. I won a bracket pool. I ran a bracket pool at work, and a one one lady on our front desk did take the UMBC uh, retrievers. Granted, the rest of her bracket was absolute hot July dumpster fire garbage trash, but she did get that one. One of the only people. <laughs> inevitably saved. Oh, oh, absolutely, and, and inevitably actually saved me a lot of. Uh, Stripe my boss because that's your Marshall one. So a lot of people took Marshall too, and that would have meant I had to give out like maybe thirty twenty dollar gift cards, and um, I don't think anybody would have liked that. So well, Andy, this is, <laughs> it all it all worked out. This though. is only my second out. time on the podcast, but I'm gonna I'm gonna break some news for you if you'll allow. Oh yeah, just had a notification that. from Chris Anderson at twenty four seven Sports come across. Tomorrow's game against Robert Morris is canceled due to COVID concerns. Not postponed, but canceled. Not Ooh, sure which end the concerns were on. I have not opened the article at this point, but tomorrow's game is off. Oh. That is that is a disappointing. Bummer. That is a bummer. And wow. I'm as we're sitting here, man, I'm I'm trying to dig. I'm gonna dig as well here and uh see where it's I'm, I'm really hopeful that it's coming from somewhere other Same. than our program hate hate for hate it for robert morris but i mean we're seeing if that happens to you you're down two weeks in a basketball program right now i mean gonzaga's at that point um i'm actually going on here zach reading the i'm reading seeing the it is due to the protocols inside here. the robert morris program uh That's well. That's that's a bit of a relief. Um, that's a relief. Let's let's get uh let's get hugs to get you know get his guys on the phone. <laughs> hey, let's let's call find somebody to play here tournament tomorrow. Or you know? Some kind of MTE. <laughs> going I mean, on. call call up to Kane. Call, real. Call exactly. Exactly. <laughs> let's let's call to Kane. Let's you know. Let's call Marshall. Let's call somebody. Get get somebody on the horn, man. Oh, I mean, yeah. hey, the bear the bear would be the one guy who could pull it off on a day's notice. Um, but more than likely we'll just uh, get ourselves ready and yeah, have all that's, that juice that's for the first game. The I'm sure that they were now, forward to, you know, playing tomorrow, first game in the Coliseum, but hopefully that'll, yeah. like you said, juice them up even more for a game against another ranked team. Yeah. I mean, in, in a game that if you win that one, I mean, then you kind of set yourself up because then right after that, it's Big 12 play, which is crazy to think. You want to know something even crazier? Jay fast, Jacobs was talking about this last night on Hugs' beloved show. Already a fifth of the way, fifth of the way through the regular season already. Can you believe Fireside it? Fireside chats, man. Fifth of the way? That's That's scary and incredible all at once because it's like, man, mm. how have we already – I mean – we're already that we've already done that much work definitely on the season and it's good the body of work to this point is pretty good but it's like man i'm still like whoa that means that we're only got you know 80 percent of this thing left which hey it's better to have 80 percent of it sure. than, than to have 
you know, then we're to just be on the other end of here. that and, and still be trying to figure some stuff out. But uh, I, I tell you what, too. Oh, thank God, thank God, because this team, I, I'm like we said, I, mean, we, I think we both we're both in agreement on this. There's just something that feels special about this group right now, um, and I'm ex- I'm beyond excited. Obviously, Iowa State's going to be fun, you know, Big Twelve game mm. in Richmond Sunday. But I mean, the Kansas game on the 22nd. I am beyond ready for that basketball game versus those guys because, and granted, you know, they'll have a few fans there in their fog. It's not what it always has been. And just something about watching them right now, Zach, I just don't feel like they are on our level. And maybe I'm being a little facetious and I'm being a little boisterous and I'm maybe pumping the chest a little bit too much here for the Mountaineers. Hey, I think first two weeks one, from now against Kansas, we're going to come out of the, the Big 12. Big I'd be all about it. I could definitely see it happen, and I'm I'm with you. I think that if this is if there's a time to get them, it's now. Yeah. This is this is the year to get one in the fog. Yeah, and it's just it's just like, and I mean, based off of what I've watched of them this season, they don't impress me with anything they're doing. Yeah, they've won some games still, but. You just have to not allow Braun to really get going. And Garrett's been okay. Hasn't been as maybe as spectacular as they need him to be. I think we have a huge advantage down low. I mean, I just, I just keep looking at that and like, you know, even and then after before after Kansas, you have a game with, with Buffalo before the new year in Oklahoma. I mean, it, it gets going quick. It's it's good to see. It's like crazy because we're we've almost already played, you know, by the time we got to that wow, we'll played as many basketball games as we did football. The entire year, you know, it, it, and it really is. And we're in a year where we've been starving for sports more than ever to know that we already got to that level with basketball and that there's a vaccine on the way just kind of makes you happy, doesn't it? It's like, we're getting right, closer to the, we may have to made the light, we may have the made with this this stuff. Thing. I'm really hoping that um, it, it takes hold that, and we can I, have a hey, have a good, clean basketball season the rest of the way. I'm just hoping we can uh, play the majority of the games we got left and have March Madness again. Well, the good and the good thing is too, though, man. Hey, we need uh, we need to see March Madness again because that was sat the March Sadness last year was kind of the worst worst possible experience and like just as as, as you know as a big college as big college basketball people it was just like I'm not saying the soul got sucked out of you because once it happened it happened you had to you kind of had to drag. live with it but it was just like man like you know I felt it was it was a drag it was an absolute drag. You can only watch so much old old tournaments, old things to kind of get you through, mm-hmm. and you know only so much Netflix could make up for that void of a, you know a twelve beating a five man. It just it, it just wasn't there in your life. Oh, and it just wasn't there the way it the way it normally <laughs> should be that time of year. You know, popping jelly beans at two a.m. with a bracket going cross-eyed, <laughs> looking at like, all right, man, Let's I get think the this thirteen seats got a real shot. How far do I take them? You know, I mean, we've all been there before. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, hey, and if, if no joke, Zach, the first year Gonzaga made big, big, big time run, like I think it was ninety seven, ninety eight, something like that. My sister, who's the time, is probably six, maybe seven, mm-hmm. just picking a pool just for fun, gets them exactly to the lead eight. So it's oh. like it, you know, hey, and then that's how it works, man. We all know that. But um, I kind of, I kind of wanted to pivot here real quick, Zach, and kind of touch on a little bit here toward the backside of this. Oh, do we have to? Some football, man. 
let's um i mean how much about this debacle i know i know right i know but i mean how much of this debacle did you hang around for a and b i mean where are you at with it now man i mean i know you're going are you still going up on yeah uh, that is still the Saturday. plan i know you uh, talked about you're going up told me Oklahoma game, guy that i'm gonna go with he told me he had heard a rumor somewhere i'm not sure where but that that game could also get pushed or canceled altogether i don't know what information he's getting i'm hoping it's unreliable but as long as it's i'll be there right yeah as long as they're kicking it off you'll you'll be there in the in the uh an old mile push car man I, no. well you know the only thing about it is, i mean if it gets if it gets pushed it will not be played because the big 12 title game now granted you could see maybe a situation where west virginia gets hooked up with another team um but i mean that's the only game they haven't only game they haven't played in the conference and oklahoma would be in the conference championship so if no. it doesn't get played it's probably not going to get played uh which would be a bummer um for this team but at the same that's true. That's true. I mean, you know, the, I don't know about you, man, but I look at it and say, okay, being at five and four, and then getting to a bowl and winning the bowl and being six and four with a bowl win might be better off than than taking this L to Oklahoma. I mean, granted, I don't. I'm not necessarily sold that it's going to be a definite L. I think there's some reasons to think we can bounce back, and some reasons to think Iowa State's been building for that game for a while. And you know, as bad as forty-two to six looks, Zach, I don't think if you can change a few things, yeah, it might have I, changed I that margin a good bit. We game. caught Iowa State on a really, really good day for them, and they caught us on a rough day. I mean, we had our top two receivers out of the game. That's tough to overcome, and we just didn't have it. I mean, they they big boyed us mm-hmm. in every sense of the word. We couldn't get anything going offensively. They stifled our run game, which we know. Both of us know yeah. that we rely on that to spur our offense. I mean, we're not we're not a chuck it around the field kind of team. We've got to get the ball moving Absolutely. on the ground if we want to get anything going offensively, and we just couldn't. Iowa State knows that. You know, Campbell's an excellent coach, and we we didn't catch him on a down down week. We had talked about going into that game. You know, us hoping that maybe they were a little down after beating Texas, just a little more out playing those four- and five-star recruits, I mean, whether or not they mm-hmm. perform like it as a team, they're still physically imposing, and that'll wear you out. And we had a nice long break to get ready, get prepared, get healthy. We had guys on defense that we haven't had for most of the season or even all the season. We had Taj Austin back in on the defensive line. We had Darius Cowan back out there. But it just mm-hmm. – all for sure. It's just good to see both those guys getting to play, but it's just still like – we, you know, and I just wondered this, that because, you know, I'll tell myself here a little bit. At a bachelor party, we were still watching. We're still very engaged. But it was just like, you know, by the time we got to the point late, it was just like we're we're kind of out of this thing. We we moved on. Mormon we got versus on Coastal Mill, BYU, and we just said to hell with it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man, that was a classic. That was an absolute classic. Uh, it, we'll get on that in just a second because I definitely want to get onto that. But real quick on, on this with us, man. It just kind of felt like Absolutely. that Iowa State is where we want to be, right? Um, Purdy, third year as a starter, they've kind of got those tight ends built up. They've got that. They've got a little bit of that cohesion built up. And you know what else too? And I, and I don't know why I didn't think of this, Zach, because I think 
this is a, something that maybe if we'd have thought this angle through a little more, maybe we wouldn't have been as confident about our chances against them. You think about it. Senior day for them, a group of guys that is built to that point to be at that stage. And then the fact they got slid back in at nine in the, in the CFP playoff rankings. And the fact that they were kind of given a little bit of hope there and breathing and, and kind, of, kind of love there from the committee off the Texas win. Now, if you look at it, sitting at seven, they have a chance to, if some things break right, to get to the playoff. And I think that highly motivated them. And then we struggled and didn't finish off certain drives and didn't get points in certain areas when we needed to. And then that kind of just absolutely took us out of the game. And then once we got out of it, we, we kind of did some things that are uncharacteristic for us, went for it a few times, did a few things that maybe – you don't do if the game's closer, trying to play the yeah, complimentary uh, football, I would and think then it gets away. That Campbell made sure that they were highly focused, even though they had solidified a spot in the conference championship for the first time. And how long had it been? 1912, 1917, something like that? 1912. He was not, 19, allowed, he was not about 19, to let 12, anything get in the way of them 19, 12. keeping on yep. down that path. They were as focused as any team I've seen in the conference this year. I mean, they they were firing on all cylinders, and they are at the exact right time. And like you said, if everything falls just right for them, if all the dominoes come down yeah. and they're one of the top four teams left, if they can manage to beat Oklahoma in the conference championship game, I mean, that's that's about as good of a coaching job as you'll ever see, just, a, just building a program to the point of ultimate prominence. Even And even if they oh. don't make it to the playoff, if they can find a way to win the conference championship, and I have a good feeling they can, they're just a super complete team right now with an excellent coach. I think that'll be just enough for them and to get it to a New Year's mm-hmm. Six Bowl to be a, an awesome culmination for what Campbell has built there. And you're right. That's exactly where we want to be with Neil Brown. I think that's a great model to follow. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's funny because – there is more to work oh, with program-wise, tradition-wise, facility-wise here at West Virginia than there is at Iowa State. So that only gives us even more kind of fever and fervor for our for our expectations for Neil and where this thing should go. Um, you know, it, it's funny because I'm literally sitting here looking at it and saying, well, Ohio State not playing this weekend. A&M not playing this weekend. Now their game with mm-hmm. Ole Miss got, got postponed, canceled. I'm not sure where they're at now. If Florida were to lose to to Bama in the in the SEC, in the SEC title, knocks them out, they'd have two L's. If Notre Dame beats Clemson, they would have two L's as well, both to Notre Dame. Then Iowa State sits there. Do you you have A and M with one loss, and then you've got Ohio State sitting here who hasn't really even played that many games. Like I, I tell you what, that scenario is almost so far-fetched that you you write it out and you're like, well, I can't believe I'm writing this out. But who gets in there on that one in that set of scenario? Because Iowa State's two losses, and we've never had a two-loss team make it, but are you really going to put a, a team that's only played five games into a playoff, even if they're a 5-0 and o versus a team that's won nine games, ten games, played 11 games? It just – I'm going to be very interested to see what the committee ends up I'm doing super curious when they about come that down to, myself. to that decision, and if it were to come. Beyond even just having played five games, 
the way the Big Ten set up their conference championship. And Ryan Day is trying to dispute that at this point, of course, because it would favor his team. And, you know, it is what it is. But for a Big Ten team to make their conference championship, they will have had to have played six games. And as you said, or Ohio State only has played five to this point. Their game with Michigan this weekend is off because of COVID. So not only will they miss out on that excellent, terribly one-sided here recently rivalry with Ohio State Michigan, but oh yeah, hey, yeah, maybe Harbaugh yeah. can salvage another year. Michigan poor, without poor getting Michigan his ass beat by yeah. Ohio State. Poor Michigan. Well, that, that's I think that's I mean it, you know people have kind of kind of <laughs> joked around saying oh that's why they didn't play that's why they didn't play I'm like eh probably not but my God oh, you goodness. know good for him that he the khakis gets to hang out for another year because I mean who knows what how bad it could have gotten but I mean it, it's just wild to me because I'll say this too that if if Indiana had found a way to come back and beat Ohio State mm. you think we're giving Indiana this kind of treatment kind of love and trying to talk to the whole, put a ticker on the committee, man, we've got the Big 12, or excuse me, Big 12, Big 10 commissioners have got to to change their minds and we got to get into this uh, playoff, you know, because we got, we've got, I think not, right? So, I mean, I don't think anybody would be putting them up in the top here. It's just, it's the different scenario and kind of the hypocrisy we have for Ohio State when it comes to that kind of love. It just kind of makes me shake my head because it's, it's it's yeah, absolutely it, what's happening. It's blatant. It just is too. what it is absolutely. at this point. It doesn't surprise me one bit. And you know, they're they're it's never gonna change. It's it's the way it is. I want I do want to talk about one thing with Indiana, talk about a great story. Did you happen to see all the love that Tom Allen was getting after the game on Saturday? I mean, his his guys absolutely love him. Yeah. You know what? I, I saw the. Well, you think about it, the speech he gave after the tough, tough loss to Ohio State, the close, tough loss to Ohio State. And then, like you said on the field, man, the job that he's done at Indiana, incredible. And they're actually kind of giving them still an outside puncher's chance at this thing right now. Because if Ohio State can't play, Indiana can. And supposedly they can supposedly keep moving up in these rankings. I don't really know how that works, but they still give them a pretty good shot on the CFP projector, which is a whole other story, but it's like above 30%, which is just like wild for me to see a team at 12 with like two weeks to go still with that yeah, high that's, percentage. Chance, that's just a quote, testament unquote, to how crazy this season has been. And I actually saw the percentage chances of teams to make it to the playoff here a little bit ago on the ticker. I saw the Iowa state only has a 1% chance, which tells me the lack of respect that the Big 12 has, which isn't new, but ultimately it may not be unfounded. Big You've 12, got yeah, your top yeah. two teams in the league yeah. holding two losses. You know, it. I get it's not quite the same year that it would normally be for a team to get a playoff spot being the Big 12 champion. Probably accurate, but, you know, things could change. Iowa State could find a way to sneak in, and I think that would be awesome. I'm, I'm rooting for them all the way. I, the cl- me and you both, me and you both, the clones, man. Go to Uncle John's clones there. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for them. I, I, I'll, I'll say this too, Zach, about them in particular, like when it comes to that whole and how that may end up playing out, right? 
I just I, I hope I hope the committee isn't just going to give Ohio State the nod because the, they're they are Ohio State. I'm afraid that is exactly what's going to happen. Um, but I'll also throw this one out here, and tell me what you think of this one. And then I would like to get the Mormons versus Mullets to close this thing out because I think we've got to hit on that. Um, when if Florida were if Florida were able to beat Bama and Clemson beats Notre Dame, I'd are those still agree. your four teams? I would have to agree. I think Bama's they not are. Gonna be left out what under any say? circumstance. Yeah, Florida, right? Florida I mean, could go in and kick their ass, which isn't going to happen. But even under those circumstances, Bama's not getting left out. That win, Florida would put them in. I think Clemson having right. those two losses would be – Oh, my, my apologies. Well, but, so, uh, yeah, in, in this scenario, though, Zach, Notre Clemson Dame and Clemson, those Dame. other two teams, I think that's your four right yeah, there. No, no problem. I think okay, there's yeah. much dispute about it. Yeah, right. And I, I, that's kind of, I mean, in, in all honesty, I feel like if you don't want Ohio State into this thing because you feel like they haven't done enough, you know, at 5-0 and oh and quote-unquote going to be in a playoff, you almost have to root for the Notre Dame uh, loss to Clemson, a tight one, but they win it. And then you got to root for Florida to beat Bama because otherwise, if Florida, if Florida doesn't beat Bama, you're going to end up seeing Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and probably a five and zero Ohio State getting love, even if Iowa State goes in there and kicks Oklahoma's ass, they will not give Ohio. They will not pass up Ohio State. In the unfortunately, I'm in that even if they might be camp too, I I can't see it happen. Even though it may be the kosher thing to do. And one thing I wondered about how they'd handle the CFP this year with a COVID shortened season and even more shortened for teams like Ohio State is how the CFP would handle it because I don't know that they've given any kind of guidelines on a number of games or a preference of, yeah. I wondered about that coming in and they I have don't not, know if that's the best idea. I'm hoping that there's not. some consideration they, taken into that, but you just never know with teams of that nature. Yeah. They, they have essentially decided that there was going to be no minimum threshold um, this season, which, man, to me just is, is wild that you're just saying, yeah, you know, these mm-hmm. teams tried to get it going from the start, and you, you decided to sneak back in the back door at Halloween, and yet we're going to let you be in, be in the oh. thing. And don't get me wrong, we don't want to hate on anything for COVID concerns or anything like that. But but the reality of it is when a team has played near 11 games and one team's played five, that should be part of the conversation. Um and the reality of it is, and this is the team that also I look at too, Zach, and say, man, them being at five and yet still having a chance kind of in this thing is so beyond my realm of possibility. But A&M sitting there at seven and one, getting to avoid Old Miss yet again, because I think Old Miss in the lane train would have given old Jimbo a ball game um, because of the way Matt Corral and that offense, Snoop Connor early, uh, I mean – they have some of the more receiver. They have probably the best set of skill position players in the country there at Ole Miss. But yet the problem for them is they don't have a defense. I think they would have given AM a an absolute battle and might have been able to pull off that win. 
and then that would have knocked them down. But now they're going to play Tennessee. They're going to win. They're eight and one. If A and M somehow sneaks into this playoff at eight and one, essentially off of a Florida win, I'm going to be yeah. That's that's not what you want to see. And I honestly, I think it'll all work its way out. It it seems to always do that. And I think you know your best four teams just in that. I know the CFP and the NCAA tournament are not the same, but you want to talk about something that the NCAA tournament committee considers every year, your body of work. And I feel like some of that for the CFP committee has to be taken into account how many games you've played. I really don't know how you can ignore that. It's not completely their fault, but you want to talk about scheduling, not be being people's fault or these schools fault. The teams that some of these programs were supposed to play, but weren't able to, that could have, bolstered mm-hmm. their schedule, but they had to take games for with lower teams out of their control. But you're going to judge them the same thing? Well, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way, Zach. Every year, um, the right. group of five teams get penalized because their schedule isn't tough enough, right? Mm-hmm. Cincinnati sitting there beating leapfrog by Iowa State. Because right. strength of schedule, teams the but yeah, we're going to give Ohio State a pass because they haven't played enough games. Hmm, interesting. Whereas Coastal Carolina out here is ten and zero, <laughs> and just running folks every weekend. Actually, they don't run anybody. Um, that's one. I'll say this: I love Coastal Carolina. I love the story. Don't get me wrong. Love Mormons versus Mullets. Love everything about what Coastal is. But man, that team lives on the edge. Every week now granted don't get me wrong um well deserved in the team of destiny type of team this year but watch out for them this weekend against troy got a funny feeling about that one and if they don't lose that one i think louisiana will get them in the fun belt championship the next time on the 19th or the 18th i'm not sure when they're playing that game uh, whether it's a friday night deal or saturday but i think coastal's run of being up there, what, 13th this week and uh, and being kind of the darling. And, man, game day was fun from there. But I think the uh, I think the yeah, that's a shame. It's, it's fun to watch to, these uh, schools come crashing down with an have that kind of Cinderella-type story. That's a, that's a term you typically reserve for basketball teams. But make no mistake, this, this uh, Coastal Carolina team has been a Cinderella. And but it's true. They, they get dubs. That's all that matters. It's not about making it pretty. You get the win. You keep that zero at the end of the record. Well, and, and it's not – and I'll, I'll tell you this, Zach, and I think this is something that I look at for oh, them boy. coming down the stretch. And it bit Marshall on Saturday with Wells. <laughs> McCall being a freshman – yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, but it is. That freshman, that freshman quarterback, um, he can have a game like Wells had. Five interceptions. If you're not able to run the football extremely well versus the Louisiana, maybe next time, and he makes some mistakes, you get put in a position like that against a much better team than than Rice, obviously. You know who Marshall lost to. I mean, Louisiana, pretty good. And Troy, you know, we hope Neil Brown was still building a decent decent base of guys down there. If not, we're we're starting to maybe wonder about that. Um, you know, I think a little bit that's on mm. Lindsey in the way. He uh, coaches that thing compared to the way Neil did things for Troy. But, I mean, the thing about it is you got to look at it and say, you know, a freshman quarterback in McCall there, that's a recipe to maybe get an L because that's what happened to Marshall on 
Saturday. Whew, that was a uh, that was tough, man. We can't we came into that at our at our uh, you know sheen dig there out there in the cabin about middle of the second quarter, Zach, and Marshall's already down ten nothing. And man, you could just feel the tightness on the broadcast with no sound even coming through. I mean, it was tough tough to watch there. Uh, yeah, you for, you hate to Marshall, see that kind of performance from anybody. It just yeah, it breaks your heart for the kid, but especially a homegrown guy like Wells, five interceptions on the day when he only had four all season in his excellent freshman year. It it's just it's tough to see that they get they get blanked. It's not something you like to see, but you know he'll he'll bounce back. He's a he's a good player, and he's they've got a good one up there in Huntington. Oh. I have full faith in them coming back this Friday against Charlotte. Granted, a team that's kind of had Marshall's number of, of you know, in the last four years or so has beaten them a couple times. But I just have a feeling because it wasn't like Rice moved the football really on Marshall. I think Marshall still outgained him, still had more first downs. They had eight penalties for 80 yards, five for 35. And when you have five turnovers to one for the other team, you know, it's going to do you in. And when it's 13 nothing, and you're still kind of hanging, even with three three interceptions already on the day, and you throw that pick six to make it 20 nothing, that's a dagger, you know. And uh, hopefully, for Marshall's sake, they'll be able to get back to running the football a little better than they did. And part of that, too, I mean, they had they had two offensive linemen that were out. And a team that has to run the football and has to run the football all year, and you take that away from them, and then you make the freshman quarterback have to sling it around – Instead of being yeah, able to sling around when he huge. wants to, and changes everything. I I tend to agree. I think that they'll bounce back this week, and they've they've had a good run all season. I think that Doc will Doc will have them right, and they'll they'll get back on track to end the regular season. Yeah, yeah, and, and when I think they know too that hey, you win Friday, you will be you'll host another game the next Friday playing for a conference championship. And I think that'll be enough for that defense and those guys that are still remaining on that offense to, to get it together and, um, and get it back on track and, and, and beat the, beat the 49ers there on Friday night. I hey, have a good I'm, feeling I'm about golden that. I'm blue all the way, but the as long back, as they're not I'm facing, really as long as the herd aren't facing my Mountaineers, I'm, I'm all about it. Got to love, got to love all across the state. Hey, hey, me, hey, me and you both, brother. I mean, that's that's you know, let's let's finish up on that note because I I think we're about about here, about toward the backside here. You know, if anybody's you know, when they're still, if you're still hanging with us here, we love it. I want to see more. I want to see more of that, man. I want to see more people that are willing to be both diehards of both schools, man. There's no reason not to be. Right. And in reality, of it is, if they're not going to play each other anymore, there's zero reason not to. In the past, you might have had basketball, but I mean, that was one day out of the year. I used to always tell people, I root for both teams 364 days a year, and that in that 365th day. And Zach, I think I just did my math. 2020 is the leap. How many so you're one day off I'm, this way? You know, my story's off there, but I mean, <laughs> I. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. Man, it is a leap year. Damn, there's all the other things that have happened this year. Didn't even didn't even think about that back on the <laughs> a little early day, you know, this year because the world hadn't quite ended yet. Um, uh, but oh, I know, right? Well, I mean, we still got to make another month. Um, but no, uh, <laughs> but I always said I root for both schools 
every day except one. And then I root for the Mountaineers in basketball, obviously, because of what we always have at stake, unfortunately, compared to what Marshall has at stake. Marshall can win that game, and it's not going to matter most years in hoops back in the day because you had to win You had to win come March, whereas once Beeline got there and hugs, we were always playing for tournament seeds and a seed line. Right. And if we lose a game to Marshall, that yeah, might I, drop you two I seed lines. I couldn't agree more with back that. Back before D'Antoni got there. You know, West Virginia is a, is a unique state in so many yes. ways, but our, our sports recognition isn't as high as a lot of other places across the country, or at least – at least nationally, we get love in certain aspects, but you think about states like I think about one of the greatest rivalries of all time in basketball being Duke, North Carolina, right down the road from each other. But I would say that the grand majority of people who pull for one side or the other aren't pulling for the other outside of the games that they play. You know what I mean? But West Virginia is unique in the way where whenever mm-hmm. we can get positive recognition exactly. in any way, I think we should want the other school. We'll take it. Yeah. It, you know what else too? I think it is. It's, and I don't, I don't mean to say this in a, in the wrong way, but there is still a big brother, little brother element, or if you want to say big cousin element, you know, um, whereas we are definitely West Virginia is definitely still, you know, wants that recognition from both schools, but we know there's one that's clearly, clearly has the resources is on more it just and it's and it's you know when you're talking to a Marshall fan sometimes it's hard to to bring that bring them into that level there with because Marshall does have resources they do have things to be positive about they do have a lot of things to um you know be proud about but when push comes to shove one is a a 38,000 seat stadium one 60,000 one 16,000-seat Coliseum, the others. The CAM is a nice building, don't be wrong, but then you also look at the traditions and the programs. You know, Marshall's had a good basketball program traditionally, but it's still not West Virginia. And so it's like you just have to be able to, to, to view it in that prism. And if you don't think – and if you don't allow yourself to think, okay, well, Marshall is on that level, then I think you're able to kind of realize and, and want the best, best for both schools because if you don't, then, you know, that's where you get people that are, you know, will come down on Marshall fans because they're too sensitive where you have people who Marshall fans that talk shit on West Virginia fans because they didn't go to school there or they don't know this or they don't know that. And Zach, I'm sure you've always heard the Walmart West Virginia fans bit, but man, they, they, they pour that one on heavy in Huntington on you. They're like half the people didn't even go to school there. They bleed that gold just like everybody else that does it. They're still Mountaineers, man. So, you know, don't, don't, Exactly, exactly. And you know what? If Marshall had a bigger and more of a, a, a base, you'd have a lot of people that didn't go to school at Marshall that would be them too. So don't hate, just appreciate. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the way it's got to be. <laughs> exactly. All love. And, man, you know, I, I feel like and I feel like you're the same way as this. I give the herd a ton of love as long as they're not playing the Mountaineers. Right. When they do, you know, we, we know where our bread's buttered. That's, that's right. Well, my friend, I think we kind of uh, did all we could do here today. We broke news on, on no game or get excited for Sunday. We tried to figure <laughs> out what the hell happened Saturday and, you know, and then we got to talk a little bit. 
<laughs> I mean, we tried to come up with some solutions. Now, let me ask you this real, too, real quick. Prediction coming out. Do you think oh, we man. cover I, the 14 point spread against Oklahoma? As optimistic as I tend to be, I find it hard to believe that we'll be able to contain Oklahoma's offense any better than we did against Iowa State. Granted, we're playing at Mountaineer Field, but you know, Iowa State just like I said earlier, they big boyed us. And one thing I wanted to mention in that vein, that play that Kohler made with yeah. Adai just draped all over him. You want to talk about getting big boyed? That was an encapsulation of that game. That was absolutely <laughs> being manhandled. And Purdy put it, literally dropped in a bucket, yeah. exactly where Kohler had to use his one offhand to catch it. And he did it. I mean, you want to talk about one play just – embodying what a game was that was it <laughs> they kind of yeah yeah i'd agree you know what's funny though is that i'm gonna say this i think if oh. that thing gets up to 14 and a hook i take the mountaineers i'm not saying that we're gonna win but i think we'll i think we're gonna come out with a lot mm-hmm. more than we came out with saturday i think having that layoff was not good for us we dropped some balls. We weren't as much of a flow offense Agreed. as we wanted to be. I think Iowa State's a much better defense than Oklahoma. And I think they fed off that crowd. Um, and I think we'll finish drives on Saturday. I'm not saying we're going to win because I don't think we will. But I do think we will be within two think- touchdowns. Um, and maybe have a chance to win. You know, especially if Oklahoma – especially if Oklahoma is kind of – they're coming off a layoff now. They haven't, you know, they, I mean, they, they did play against, they did play against Baylor. That's right. But they, they haven't been, you know, in much of a flow. And they've got the Big 12 title game next week. Maybe they're looking ahead of that a little bit. Maybe not really ready to come up to Morgantown and play. Kind of sleeping, noon start. Might catch them. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, and, and maybe they wake up middle of the second quarter when they're already down 14 nothing and then they, speed away and, you know, find a way to beat us, you know, 38-28 or something like that. But uh, – and I think our defense is going to play much better this weekend too. I really, really do. I don't think that's the – I don't think that's the impression they want the, the people in this, you know, in this state and this fan base to have of this group, this defense this year. Yeah, I, I would like to game. think so too. I think Blaine, they're going to be much better against Oklahoma. One thing that I thought was interesting from this past weekend, I mean, Baylor – should not have given Oklahoma the game they did. And I mean, they were they were in there quite a bit of that game. Oklahoma started pulling away at the end. Mm-mm. But we we are better than Baylor. I think that that's fairly obvious. But I, I would like to think that we can give Oklahoma a fight and keep it within the 14-point the spread. And one thing that I'm looking forward to at this game, Rattler, although he is a – a good athlete, he really doesn't utilize his legs a lot. With Purdy took off for multiple first downs on third down and third and six, third and seven. He hit us with that yes. probably four or five times. And I was wondering yep. about that going into that game because I know that he has that capability. Rattler doesn't do that as much. He's more of a pocket passer. So I'm hoping that we can get a little more push with our defensive line this weekend than we did against Iowa State because there was none of that to be had Saturday. We can no, there wasn't. And you know what? You know what? Zach, I'm going to say this too. It's kind of almost been discouraged for Rattler to take off mm-hmm. and run. 
Whereas with Campbell and Purdy, it's almost been design plays and different things they want to get him out. You said get him going. Rather has the ability to do it, but Lincoln Riley in that offense is like, man, if you're not, right, if you're you're not, not running as often as you're running, this doesn't help this offense flow. And so, exactly, you're not Kyler Murray. You are a guy who can throw off the run. We need to keep him in the pocket more. I didn't think we did a good job keeping Purdy in the pocket either. I him to throw off on the run a lot too. We've got to keep him in the pocket because if we keep him in the pocket, then we have an, a real good opportunity. If we don't, uh, like you said, things could things could happen um, because. But at the same time, though, he, like you said, he doesn't like to run, but he can do it. I hope that's you know. Hopefully, there's some indecisiveness, some indecision because he's been coached up now to not run. You know, since essentially the game against Texas when he got pulled, and he's kind of gotten that in his mind. And it might be tough to break it, you know. Yeah, you could be right. I'm hoping in, Fields in is a little with, healthier you know, this Tony week than he was last week. But this is an absolute show me spot for this defense. They will have a lot to prove after that shellacking, and that's exactly what it was. That's the worst defensive performance we've had. We've had this season. Gave up over 200 rushing yards, which, granted, a lot of that was to the best, arguably the best running back in the country. I don't know how much it can be argued at this point. I think that he's pretty much proven it to this point, but. He he really laid it on us. Brees Hall did, and I think that defense will be hurting after that game. Their their pride was probably affected quite a bit from that, and we got pushed around. Their offensive line just absolutely swallowed us whole. Yeah. We could not get any pressure from the defensive line. The Steels brothers were absolutely neutralized, and I think they'll be they'll be ready to go on Saturday to try and rebound from that. And I'm going to tell you, Zach, it just felt like at times, too, for us, that we – it was yeah. like not playing in a while. The physicality of the game, just we, we weren't ready for it. And I don't know if that's because Iowa State is more physical than we are because I'm not necessarily sure that was what I would have thought. I would have thought we would have matched it. We didn't match it. I think we'll be challenged this mm-hmm. week to match that physicality and bring our own juice, quote-unquote, like Neil likes to say. And I think that's going to be why we're going to hang around, man. I, I really do. Um, you know, and, and you know what? But I'll, I, you know, I'll say this, too. If I have to pick between beating Oklahoma in football and beating yeah, Richmond in basketball Yeah, with how much it means in this season, Sunday, I think that probably it's, it's more detrimental that we get that dub. I think that losing to Oklahoma and at least keeping it respectable would be, you know, that would be. And I'll tell you one thing, too, before we get off here. Just Something fine. Freedy talked about, which I thought was a good point. For anybody out there who isn't sure, because, you know, think about it from this perspective. We lose to Oklahoma. We end up with five off or five regular season wins two years in a row. First two years in Neil Brown's tenure. But think about this. The two games that we didn't play out of conference, Florida State and Maryland, both win. Florida State was an absolute mess at the beginning both of the win. season. And both arguably still year. are yep absolutely and so was yep. maryland i think that was if i'm not yep. mistaken that was before and the Talia, so was maryland era began and i mean he's he played some good games but at that point in the season we probably could have caught him that's a seven and five yeah. season my friend i think that's a market improvement and you think about the areas that we've improved in the run game and defensively to this point it's unquestionable so the climb is it's in effect and it can definitely be trusted 
Oh, well in effect. What well, you know what else too? A win here versus Oklahoma where you win a bowl game and you get to the old school six and five essentially for this season, you take it because then it, it shows that hey, you're ready for next year. And like we've talked yep. about I agree. Know, this is year year zero asterisk, quote unquote. Because this year is so so different. That even though it's it's year two, it's really not even it's a year yet where anything has started. The clock hasn't even started on Daggy's eligibility. It just hasn't. It, it is my blowing. But you think about that, no. and I know people want to get on Daggy no. after last week. Not all on Daggy. Not all on Daggy. And, and 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 we know that to be the case, but it's very true. I mean, Florida State's an absolute dumpster fire and Maryland. At that point in time, I'm not sure Tyler Vallelogo would have been the um, the starting quarterback. And even if yep. he would have been, he would have been facing a pretty good defense early on in the season for a guy who hadn't really played a lot of snaps. Uh, and Maryland's defense is pretty pretty bad. Um, and so I think you know, I think we would have been all right there. And like you said, a seven and five season that changes a lot of things with the chance to win an eighth in a bowl. We're we're we're, in, we're moving in the right direction. And for 2021, when you get pretty much primarily all of this back, maybe minus two players on the defensive side of the football. Uh, um, unquestionably. I mean, that you're, you're looking at returning 90-plus percent of your starters, if I'm not mistaken. And that that's massive. You, We will be one of the most experienced and yeah. return returning starter-heavy teams, not only in the conference but in the country. And, you know, that's big. And you'll have – Hopefully, as long as COVID doesn't rear its ugly head early in the next season throughout the summer, you'll have a complete offseason, a spring game, opportunities for these guys to really gel and work together, not just in virtual meetings, but in person. And, you know, we we got to take advantage of that time and really take the next step to where we can hopefully contend for a conference title and – you know, get this even yeah. further. Yeah. Because next year is that – next year is that year. Next year is kind of that year that you want to see us contending. Maybe not necessarily winning it, maybe not necessarily playing for it, but contending next year without a doubt. Um, because if we're not, then I think you start – if we are very much the same next year as we are this year, then I yeah. think you have questions. Then I think you start you start raising the eyebrow a little bit, but I think people sometimes, you know, they want to get going yeah. a little too quickly. And even this year, like recruiting is so different this year, you know, compared to where it's been where it's been in the past. So like, how do you really even evaluate how how a recruiting class goes? Um, but by year three, year four, Neil's going to have this thing a hundred percent going in the direction he wants it to. Well, Zach, brother, always it's good having you on here, man. We'll uh, we'll, we'll come back. We'll hopefully uh, be talking about some Richmond uh, Richmond Spider a Richmond Spider game on Sunday and uh, a dub. Hey, and, I'm uh, all about maybe it won't be maybe just maybe you'll sing Country Roads. Sixty three thousand of my favorite people to be to be singing Country Roads. With, but hey, <laughs> hey, at least, as long as you have four or five, though, man, you have four or five. It'll, it'll be sung with just as much heart. There, it still works. It's still beautiful. I'll tell you that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, it's it's kind of like uh, in the Grinch, man. You know, yeah. You just gotta <laughs> sing it loud and proud for all. To, or no, that's that might be the Elf, where you you know singing singing. Uh, yeah, 
It is. It is Elf. It is Elf. I, I think I'm just. I think they're like Cindy Lou Lou, Lou who like in, the, in like y'all like growing the size of the volume, you know, to get everybody you know really excited about they're it. But then like get... I cross it up with Elf and just too many Christmas movies, man. You know, and thank God they're not uh, the Hallmark variety, does. man. She, I mean, uh, those are she all eats those Hallmark stuff. movies. And up. Those I do really run together. Puke. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know what you meant. Uh, hold on now. I'm not, I'm not saying that I eat them <laughs> up, okay? I'm just saying that I know that they're – I know what they're – yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to say one more thing. With, we all know we've seen one. The topic of Coastal Carolina, one, I meant to so. bring this up earlier. But brother, enjoy. We were watching a little of that game on Saturday, and my wife caught a glimpse of the teal field, and her reaction was very, very positive. She She liked that. What do you think about the teal field for Coastal? Blaine, you there? I think I lost you. I wanted to ask you one last thing. I meant to ask you earlier when we were talking about Coastal. What do you think about the teal field? My wife and I were watching a little bit of that game on Saturday, and she caught a glimpse of it, and she liked it, which, you know, her opinion matters for sure from that perspective. She's she's all about knowing proper colors and what looks good. Hey, uh, I'll go ahead and say that it's tremendously an upgrade from Boise's Blue. Because it doesn't like give them a strategical advantage, and I actually like the teal man. I like it's, it. it's, it's not an eyesore. No, it's not. I mean, and like you think about different fields that are like that. Like Eastern Washington's got the red, you know, mm-hmm. and then Eastern Michigan's got the green and gray. But like of the fields that are like that, I think I like uh, Coastal's the best. You I know, agree. The teal I, I think it kind of rolls thing. off the tongue. Yeah. yeah. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. It's non-traditional enough to where they get a little pub for it. Helps them in recruiting. Yeah. Chance, man. I love how they wear the black uniforms. Just enough teal in the the coloring that goes along with the field. It works. Oh, yeah, those are hot. I think your wife's onto something, man. I think your wife's onto something with the the appreciation of the teal, man. You know. Well, thankfully for her, she knows her colors because I don't. My color blindness definitely, uh, definitely hurts me in that department. So I'm glad to have her around for multiple reasons. But that's definitely one of them. <laughs> so you're sitting there and you're like, man, I don't. I mean, I know it's supposed to be teal, but I'm. It's like, ah, eh, you know, it's, it's it's just the same. They say this is teal. What the hell is teal? <laughs> what is teal? The blue is it green. What are we are looking? Are you sure at? it's not? Are you sure this isn't green? Like, come on, man. <laughs> it's all the same to me. It's all like, gray to me. As long as you can tell it's grass versus turf, right? You can tell that, correct? Well, as long as I see the rubber pellets flying up behind guys' cleats, it's it's a dead giveaway. <laughs> then you're good. Otherwise, it's, <laughs> otherwise, who knows? Oh yeah. Hey, well, so so Eastern Michigan then with the gray, is that just gray on gray then, or like how does it? I, you know, I, I I know I'm a little, a little bit kind of topic, but I mean, the grayness of the color, like for someone who isn't colorblind, someone who is like. You see everything is gray, but what does gray look like? Just more gray? Just fifty shades of gray. That's all it is to me. Hey, fifty shades of gray. Yeah, that's a little, little less a provocative. Too. But it's just what, it's <laughs> yeah. what I see. That's right. That's right. Well, Zach, brother, I appreciate you joining me here, brother. And we'll uh, we'll come back like we said earlier. We'll, we'll come back later on, uh, sometime this this weekend, or maybe even get into a little bit of the the schedule in college football before the weekend's totally out. But uh. Always good, and uh, take it easy, my friend. For sure, man. I'm hoping the next uh, podcast title can be Squash the Spiders and Squelch the Sooners. How about that? Ooh. Oh, I'm a fan of alliteration. I love it. All in. Absolutely. All in. All right, All right man. man. We'll talk soon. Let's do it. Take it easy.